Welcome back to another episode of Pod TST. Every week, I, Kenneth Arthur, um, will usually I'll preview the Rams game with somebody uh, from the other side. And, uh, or, you know, I think we're all on the same side of life, uh, especially uh, these days. Hey, let's all band together. Uh, except for when those uh, two teams are playing up, up against each other, then we hate each other. And this is a uh, time for anger and uh, disruption uh, and emotion. And with me to talk about that anger, one of the angriest guys I think I've ever met in my life. Just a very, uh, what a rude guy. Just kidding. One of the nicest people um, instantly off of the bat. Um, burned, I'm going to do it, Buchmasser. <laughs> what is it? pretty cute. That was, active. That, was, that was actually as close to, to perfect as, as I've ever heard. So um, give me the uh, perfect. English speakers. Give me the uh, perfect Sorry? version. What's the perfect version? Buchmasse. Buchmasse. Well, yeah, but, that's, I, but that's like, you know, that's like the German pronunciation. Uh -huh. and, I know that, and I understand that most people can't do that outside of, of like the four German speaking countries in the world. So uh -huh. yeah, I'm not too I, worried about that. I got, uh, I've got a uh, German grandmother. I've got, uh, you know, I've got German roots deep inside of me. Um, and uh, are, it so, comes, it, so it comes natural to you is what you comes saying. a little bit naturally. Plus I just watched the whole series dark in the uh, quarantine. So I'm very, I, I haven't seen that yet, but I saw a trailer and it looked pretty good. It's phenomenal. I mean, it's really fantastic. It's very smarter. It's much smarter than me. I mean, I was about to say very smarter. So it's clearly <laughs> smarter than I am. Um, but yeah, good show on Netflix, three seasons, totally compact. You're in and out. Uh, just, it's, you gotta stick with it is what they say about some shows. That's very clear about dark, um, so to speak. Uh, but let's, let's, let's move on from, uh, one time loop to another, uh, as the Patriots, you know, this is such an interesting, uh, they're starting a new loop with a new quarterback and a new, uh, new start in many ways, uh, burned the, Patriots are taking on the Rams this Thursday. It's a short turnaround. Uh, let's have a quick casual chat about it. How do you feel, given that the Patriots just came off of a 45-0 win over the L.A. Chargers, their most complete dominant performance, obviously, of Cam Newton's Patriots career um, and probably one of the most dominant of Bill Belichick's. You know, you don't do a lot in 45 nothings in your career, and this is a, this is a long, long 21-22 season career for Bill Belichick. Um, how do you feel coming – straight off of that into this Thursday night game? I have to be honest. Um, I'm not really sure what to make of that game because the Patriots have played a lot of close ones. And that was the, really the first blowout victory that they have all season. So there's a part of me that thinks, yeah, well, maybe it's a flash in the pan. Maybe it's just, you know, you know how it is. Once teams get rolling and everything works perfectly and the Patriots had phenomenal play in all three phases there's yeah. no denying that but at one point the charges with the rookie quarterback it just started snowballing and they never stood a chance in my opinion mm -hmm. so you know watching the game in a vacuum feels really good because 45 nothing is amazing yeah just to watch <laughs> unless you're a charges fan of course right or but um the thing that I felt most confident coming out of the game is that it was another good performance after the Patriots already beat the, the Cardinals last week. They uh -huh. won on the last second field goal. It was a closed one compared to, to Sunday's game. 
but that's back-to-back games in which the team looked good, looked better than it did earlier during the season. Yeah. So the progression is what I'm, what I'm feeling best about coming out of that game. Not to say that it can't continue against the Rams. We don't. We will have to wait and see. Mm-hmm. But if that that's the main takeaway for me is that the Patriots are trending in a in a positive direction. It's hard to like uh, even comprehend that we have to even say terms like the Patriots are finally trending in the right direction. You know, they haven't posted uh, the fact that they're now at six and six and the road to ten and six. While, while, you know, we're, it's, it's difficult always to win any one game, let alone four in a row or six in a row or nine of ten, you know, as the Patriots would have to do to get to ten and six. Um, this is a team that has won ten-plus games almost every year of Bill Belichick's career, and, and you know, you lose Tom Brady, and then it's, like, going to be this transition year. Um, I think maybe not even enough uh, credit is given to Bill Belichick for – you know, especially at this point, especially if they finish nine and seven as coach of the year, you know, to, to lose so many players on the COVID list uh, that have decided to opt out to, to bring in Cam Newton, who, you know, I've not been shy in, over the last five years of saying that I think Cam Newton is not a very good quarterback. A lot of people don't like that I say that, um, but it is, I guess, one of my opinions that he's just a fine overall player, maybe. Uh, but not a very good passer. And, you know, being with the New England Patriots, you know, they've, they've, they've won these last two games and he's thrown for a total of 153 yards. Um, how, how have the Patriots looked in the last five weeks as they've started to win these games? How would you say the Patriots look as compared to the Patriots you've become accustomed to in the last 20 years? Is this sort of like, despite the fact that this is clearly not Tom Brady, is this sort of the same Patriots that you've come to expect? Um, in some elements, they are. Because the Patriots have always been built around very strong leadership. And they still have the leadership, even, even with Tom Brady gone. They still have Matthew Slater, Devin McCourty. Those are guys that people naturally work around and I feel like that element is still in place even with Cam Newton he's the team absolutely loves what he brings to the table he's been voted a captain despite having joined I think two or three months earlier so Mm. that speaks for his character and speaks for how well he adapted to the new system and so that's one thing that hasn't changed the last 10-12 years in my opinion um, ever since the 2009 season, it was a bit shaky when it comes to internal leadership, but I don't want to go. My perception, and I'm just, maybe no one would tell me better than you. My perception of like, let's say Tom Brady with the media is different than my perception of Cam Newton with the media. Would you say that that uh, is fair or, or it's yeah. just sort of, yeah. yeah. I mean, Cam's, I have to be honest, Cam's a pleasure to cover. Uh-huh. He's, he's really open. He's really, he's given a lot of thought in, in his answers, which I wouldn't say Brady did not, but Brady was, Brady was like Belichick in a way. He's really straightforward. He's like, like a racehorse with the blinders on, just <laughs> always, always charging forward and, and not giving away too much, not giving away too little. It's always a, bit, a little bit shaky. But Cam's uh, just an amazing charism, charismatic guy. And yeah. that really makes fun covering him. 
And it's also what I believe the Patriots like in him, that, he's, that he is who he is. And he's not shy to show it. And there are a lot of people with, were, were thinking like, hey, how can this work with Bill Belichick? Belichick never cared about, about character and stuff like that. That's always been an overblown issue. He cares about production and he cares how people's character works within the overall context of the team. Mm-hmm. And what the first last few weeks tell me and the, the way that the papers are starting to bounce back is that Cam is working with the team and he is working with the culture that the team has. So from that perspective, I feel like it's been a rather smooth transition from Brady to, to Newton. Obviously, he's not the same type of quarterback. He's not the same yeah. type of player that Brady is, for better and for worse. But that's, like, that's of course, the major change. When you yeah. Let's say, let's say, you know, the other thing is that the Patriots are, are led in receiving by Demir Bird and, uh, you know, and... Um, Jacoby Myers and and you know this is not a Rob Gronkowski team this is not a it's not even a Julian Edelman team right now this is not this is clearly not they don't have those weapons that they did before um you know Tom Brady gets to go to a, a, an offense that is completely different you know just this comparison from what it was last year and of course I think his numbers improve a little bit and his production improves a little bit when that happens if the Patriots if the Patriots had you know signed I don't know not Philip Rivers because he's pretty much toast I think in many respects but you know if the Patriots were out there working with a a productive quarterback like a Ryan Tannehill maybe not like a superstar um, could they even put up big numbers with the the offensive weapons what's what's holding back some of these offensive weapons uh, from having greater production is it the quarterback or is it they aren't talented enough Um, I have to go a little bit on tangent here Um, last year during training camp uh, Josh McDaniel spoke with the media and he was asked about the style of the offense because the Patriots were coming off a Super Bowl win where they ran the ball. I mean, they ran it against the Rams. Suddenly Michelle scoring the game winner in the championship uh-huh. game. And, um, so people were wondering, hey, what will this offense look like in 2019? And Josh McDaniels said, well, it always the style of offense you have to play always has to reflect the talents of your team. And when I look at the Patriots offensive roster and skill position players, their strength is in the backfield. They have Damian Harris, they have, have Sony Michelle, they have James White. They have an interior offensive line who might be the best in the NFL when it comes to run blocking and pass protection. They are, they're really, really good. I mm-hmm. up there with the Browns in my opinion. So those are the strengths of the team. Now, if you add, say, Ryan Tannehill or, say, another more prolific passer than Cam Newton has been recently, there is a chance that the strengths change a little bit towards the quarterback, but the receivers stay the same. So you'd also have to upgrade there. The way I see it is that the Patriots look at the roster and feel like they are a run-first team just because that's the personnel that they have. That does not mean they are not capable of throwing the football. Mm -hmm. They did it against the Seahawks. They did it um, not quite as successfully against the the Texans, but um, it all ties together with the scheme. So it's not like looking at the players and saying, yeah, they're not good enough or or they aren't able to beat press man coverage, which is all true to a certain degree. But it's also not as black and white. 
So when I see what's, when, when, when you ask me what's wrong with the group, why isn't it more productive? I feel like the Patriots are actively trying to get the run game going just because that's their, their strong suit. That's yeah. what they feel most comfortable about. That's what Cam Newton probably feels most comfortable doing. And everything that goes beyond that has been a struggle, but they have players who has produced, like Jacoby Myers. He may not be a number one wide receiver, but he did constantly, consistently post his numbers. He has a good report with Newton. Nikhil Harry from a first-round draft pick, they're bringing him along slowly. Um, the thing that I see is I'm not sure the Patriots can win when they have to throw the ball mm-hmm. because they haven't done that yet. But that doesn't mean that they can't do it on a when the game plan calls for it, when the opponent allows it. So as you see, just by the fact that I've been talking for the last 20 minutes about that, <laughs> it's... It's yeah. pretty complicated, and it all ties together with who they have, in my opinion. Yeah, and talking about that offense versus the Rams defense, you know, getting into the game matchups, I guess, uh, because the LA Rams have, I think, you know, they have an argument as the best team, uh, excuse me, as the best defense in the NFL. You know, there's always going to be shades of gray, and we're making comparisons. You know, no one statistic or no five statistics, I think, will tell anybody who the best defense in the NFL is. It's an opinion. There's a lot of things that go into it, but hey, when you've got Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey to set the tone in the front and the back, and everybody in between them is is going to play a little bit better, plus I think the Rams do have some talented players in between them, uh, including John Johnson and Jordan Fuller and uh, Leonard Floyd and so on. Um, it's interesting, though, because you know, the last few weeks, in the last couple of weeks, Jalen Ramsey in the NFC West, he has to cover DeAndre Hopkins twice a season. He has to cover DK Metcalf twice a season. He has to cover maybe Debo Samuel or Brandon Ayuk with the 49ers. I don't know what he's going to do against the Patriots. What's the point of Jalen Ramsey in this game? I have no idea uh, because he's taking out a player maybe that's not going to be that productive anyway. Um, I guess the, the big question here is that your, your, your strength if it's in the interior of the offensive line or out there around the offensive line, do you have confidence against the best player in the world with Aaron Donald? Do you have confidence that they, he will stay off of Cam Newton and the running backs? I mean, he did stay off Tom Brady two years ago, and it was the same line. So, yeah. of course, you can't compare those two games. The Patriots had Rob Kronkowski back then. They had a Julian Edelman who was just eating a keep to leaps lunch that day. <laughs> so... Um, that's not the same team, but the blockers, they're still the same. It's still mm-hmm. Joe Tooney at left guard, David Andrews at center, and Shaq Mason at right guard. Uh, it's really hard to compare. I mean, the Patriots have always approached games by having your best players not beat you. If your number three wide receiver beats you, okay, then so be it. But your number one wide receiver is not going to beat you. Your number one defensive lineman is not going to beat you, usually. So... Aaron Donald is amazing. I can't, I mean, your listeners probably know how good he is. Yeah. And even I, from an outside perspective, having seen him in person, having seen what he does, the dude's amazing. Yeah. And it's really hard to, to, to stop him. But I do feel that the Patriots have personnel and the schematic flexibility to just scheme around him. I mean, yeah. It'll be, it'll, be, it'll be hard. It'll be hard, uh, but, it, you know, and, and it will be interesting, you know, if people would say that, uh, you know, maybe the Rams' pass defense is a little bit better than their run defense, and uh, we, we would see how that impacts um, an offense. We know that 
you know, you talked about Josh McDaniels and the coaching and Bill Belichick and the way that they plan. And you talked about that Super Bowl, which uh, is going to haunt a lot of Rams fans and the way that, uh, you know, their offense and, and the way that things were going so well during the regular season, including up to that 54-51 win over the Kansas City Chiefs on Monday Night Football that everybody remembers. After that, things that didn't go as well. Todd Gurley didn't play as much and wasn't as healthy. And then in the Super Bowl, it was like everything came together and they, they for, for teams going against the Rams and three points happens and, and they can't get anything done and Jared Goff can't get anything done. Um, maybe this game will just come down not to how Cam Newton does against a really good defense because maybe the Patriots, you know, score 16 points or whatever. The real question is, can the Rams score more than 16 points? Uh, how is the Patriots defense looking right now? And, and I noticed, and I'm sure a lot of people have noticed, and maybe you get this question a lot, just like, is, who's better? Like, if you had to pick one guy for the next three years, would you rather have J.C. Jackson or Stephon Gilmore? Or are those interceptions coming because Stephon Gilmore is present? Yeah, to a certain degree, yes. Because you have Stephon Gilmore. It's like you have Jalen Ramsey. The other guys are benefiting from that. Yeah. That's the same type of player that they are. Those are the elite five cornerbacks. JC Jackson is not that yet, but he's pretty good. So, but Stefan Gilmore was out for three games earlier this year. He took over the role as the number one. And he played against Stefan Diggs. He did really well. He struggled a bit against the Jets for some absolutely weird reason because it's the Jets. Uh-huh. I don't know. But um, wow, three years is a is a tough time. Just from, from when it comes to contract value, I'd probably pick, pick J.C. Jackson because he's right. a restricted free agent next year, which means he's probably around $4 million. Right. Stefan Gilmer's, I think, at 12 or something, which okay. is still good value. But it is. He, he'll, he'll be 31. So mm-hmm. um, hard to tell. I think, I think J.C. Jackson will be the Patriots' next number one cornerback unless – some team comes in with an enormous offer mm-hmm. in two years and blows them out of the water. Um, is that going to be, you know, is that going to be a, a big deal to Bill Belichick? Because we've seen this history with him. Uh, you know, he wants to go out and get Darrell Revis one year, and then he'll be fine with not having Darrell Revis the next year. He he didn't re-sign Malcolm Butler or or Logan Ryan. And, and certain guys, it's like the, the defensive backs in New England are either – super important like going out and getting a free agent like Stefan Gilmore which you know it's so rare for the New England Patriots to spend money on players of their own or especially players from other teams you know um and and they've they've committed so long to Devin McCourty and uh, Patrick Chung you know as their safeties where it's like clearly Belichick has this value in his defensive backs is that coming to an end do you think like for the Stefan Gilmore and do you th- do you think that JC Jackson will be that guy that that Belichick decides, yeah, of course, this is the guy that I will lock on to. I can, I can see that happening, actually, because, you know, Darren McCourty's 32, 33 years old, so yeah. the end's in sight. I mean, he yeah. probably play next year just because of the way his contract is structured, but I think that he and Gilmore will be gone within the next two years. That's mm. a reasonable projection, in my opinion. And then you have Jackson and Kyle Duggar, second round pick out of Lenoir Ryan this year, who's looked really good uh, the last few weeks. So I feel like the Patriots want those two guys to take over. Um, the thing is the Patriots had 
some really bad cornerback play and, and, and secondary play in the early 2010s. And I feel as if Belichick is looking at it and, and goes like, Ugh, I don't want that again. <laughs> so um, when, you, when, you, when you see what the Patriots had when Darrell Rivas was their number one, when Malcolm Butler was their number one after that, when Gilmore was their number one after Butler, all those defenses have played pretty good football, especially compared to the, to the 2010-2011 years with just terrible terrible defensive teams so um i can see the patriots invest in jc jackson to keep him long term just because they know the value of having a really good outside cornerback who is someone on the patriots defense whose statistics don't tell the picture of how good he is he's been of it he has i think two and a half sacks or three and a half sacks this season um yep three and a half sacks yeah, spent a few games essentially being, I don't know, in the doghouse or something. He just didn't play a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, he's come along really nice since then. He had a ton of pressure against um, the Charger. Uh, against the Chargers, he had like, I think, three disruptions or something. And he looked good against the, uh, the Cardinals. He really developed into a nice player recently. And I feel like he is a guy who not a lot of people will know. Not a, he, he's not putting up stat, sacks, which is a pretty prominent statistic for, def, uh, for an outside linebacker or defensive lineman. So the fact that he has only three and a half of them makes you think like, yeah, yeah maybe he's just an average guy. Mm-hmm. But he's really important to the operation just because he's really good at setting the edge in the run game. He's pretty flexible on stunts and on knowing how to attack an offense. And he's probably the player who made the biggest jump from year one to year two this season for the Patriots. So I think he would perfectly fit that category that you were just talking about. Speaking of year one, uh, this is maybe one of the more important draft classes for the Patriots because they are, um, or at least a lot of people are, are framing them as, you know, kind of rebuilding in the sense of, okay, well, it's the Brady era is over. And, and next year, maybe they will be drafting a quarterback. You know, the idea that they would have maybe even tanked for a good quarterback in the draft, you know, that's kind of in the rear view because it looks like the Patriots will at least not be drafting in the top 10 um, and possibly not even in the top 15. And, and, you know, who knows? This could be a playoff team. They aren't far out of it. Uh, but this year's draft class, they didn't take a, a first-round pick. They moved down. They get Kyle Duggar. Uh, the safety. I, I noticed he's kind of an older rookie, um, uh, but their their best rookie has been Michael Onwenu, if I'm saying that one correctly. Uh, uh, what what is your evaluation on on Michael Onwenu and uh, and the draft class as a whole? I think it's it's basically what you just said that it's a foundational type of class. The Patriots. And Bill Belichick talked about that earlier during the season, kind of sold out for the last few years of the Brady era. Mm-hmm. They had an incredibly experienced team at the top of the death chart. So there was not really much opportunity for rookies to come in and contribute. They only picked four players in 2017. And then 2018, they slowly started to change the philosophy again by throwing as many picks at the wall as they could. So this year's class is pretty much the same. Um, 
and there has been a lot of positives in my opinion like Kyle Duggar um, is essentially starting safety now for them. Mm-hmm. He shares reps with with Adrian Phillips in the star role as the strong safety yeah. linebacker hybrid. Then you have um, Josh Uche who missed a couple of games because of an injury. He's coming strong. He had a he had three quarterback hits I think on Sunday versus the Chargers. So he's now there third pass rusher behind Vinovich and John Simon mm-hmm. after they moved on from Derek Rivers, who's now with the Rams, of That's course. Right. Um, so he's kind of the guy who's filling the, the situational role and he's looked good. Then you have um, Anthony Jennings, who was picked out of Alabama in the third round. It's been like a more of a mixed bag. I can see him transition into that Hightower role. Um, Dante Hightower, like the move role uh-huh. at the end and off the line. Um, he's not there yet, but he's seeing steady snaps um, about 10 to 20% per week, I would say. Um, so those are all players who have a lot of long-term potential. It's, and they've been thrust into the starting roles just because of all the, the opt-outs. I mean, Dante Hightower, gone. Um, then you have the, the free agency departures, Calvin Noy, Jamie Collins. The Patriots lost... I think it was six of their top 11 players in defensive playing time over the offseason, mm. which naturally creates an op- some opportunity for the rookies yeah. on defense. And on offense, you have Marcus Cannon, the right tackle opt out. You have Jermaine Luminer, who was his replacement, um, hurt his, his ankle and, and missed a few weeks. And then you have the six-round guy who never played tackle, who <laughs> only played guard, who mostly played right guard, and then he's in New England, he's playing right tackle, and he's been really, really good. And I'm, I can see him, like, honestly, a lot of things can change, of course, but that's a foundational type player on the offensive line, Michael Manu. So, um, yeah. so far, he's looking like a steal. He, he honestly looks like, a, like an offensive rookie of the year candidate. Yeah. Because he's a lineman, no lineman wins that award unless he's absolutely spectacular. But that didn't happen. You I have to- thoughts on the draft in general where I, I just think that it's pretty much just luck in, in a lot of respects. And yeah. even with, you know, even with all the success that uh, the Patriots have had in 20 years, I don't know that the Patriots have necessarily have had that good of uh, drafts, you know, and not, and not necessarily like crushing it every year in the draft. Uh, and they're not picking high, so you're not going to find a lot of, uh, of those premier prospects, which means anybody you find that's, that's really good is a bonus. You know, even yep. in the case of Onwenu, where it's like, yes, he was a sixth-round steal, they still drafted a kicker in the fifth round. So they still drafted a Who's kicker. Who's on the practice make, squad now? Yeah, he didn't make the team. Yep. Uh, uh, but, you know, but, but the Patriots, you know, still have a way, and, and Belichick has a way of getting people um, up to speed, I suppose, and, and being able to know who his best players on the field are going to be to get the job done that he yep. wants. Is there anybody in uh, on his coaching staff, whether that's Josh McDaniels, um, is there anybody primed to to be that next guy? That's that's sort of the uh, you know, and then and then I'm going to let you go and we'll move on. But uh, is there anybody that you see as the the future there, uh, a coach that might get poached during the uh, coaching candidacy interview rounds this year? Any any rising stars over there? Well, this year it's only McDaniels, in my opinion, because. The rest of the staff is just either inexperienced or Ivan Fears, who's the Patriots running backs coach who's been with them for 25 years. So 
those are the only extremes you have. And then there's Josh mm-hmm. McDaniels in the middle. So I would say if one of the assistants moves on, it's McDaniels. It's hard to tell if he really does because he's been in that situation before. Um, when it comes to future years, like I'm talking 2023 or something, it will be interesting to see what, A, what Belichick himself does and what Steve Belichick does, his son, who, yeah. who's working as, who's the most senior defensive assistant who, who's the, the play caller. So you wonder, will he take over? Will he be the next coordinator? What will his future look like? And along those lines, what will the future of Gerard Mayo look like, mm. who spent some time with the Patriots, was a really good uh, inside linebacker, first-round draft pick. Um, and he's now an assistant coach since last year and um, one of the smartest players to pay to come through the Patriots system. Yeah. No matter who you talk to, they're all praising Gerard Mayo for his leadership, for his, his football knowledge. So he's probably also a guy, in case Steve Belichick does not leave, who could get poached as a future head coach a few years further down the line. But of course, you know, uh, you also have Bill O'Brien and Matt Patricia, and they didn't work out. So people might be weary about <laughs> when it comes to, to uh-huh. picking like those apples from the Belichick tree. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Because yeah, you're also talking about the same year that uh, Brian Flores, ha- you know, could beat the Patriots. You know, is obviously the head of the Patriots in the standings now, um, and and Joe Judge is in the first place in his division. Although, oh, but that's like it's a little. I bit, don't know. Like I've seen being people, first place in the <laughs> NFC is just I'm, nuts. I'm, I'm my my mind is a little burnt right now because I'm I've been making this video where I criticize Colin Coward and. Uh, <laughs> And he just is getting off this uh, perch of his where he's talking about how uh, he was right about uh, this and that and that Joe Judge has proven himself to be a great coach because they just beat the Seahawks. And, and no mention of the – Four and seven. Yeah, no mention of, uh, you know, the fact they haven't beaten any other good teams and uh, they're in first place with the worst division and the worst record. Yep. So, but, but nothing against Joe Judge either. We'll see if he no. is a good long-term coach. Uh, unlike maybe yeah, some of those those other coaches that have come around. Uh, Bern Bugmasser, thank you so much. Uh, the, the website, of course, is patspulpit.com. And uh, anyone listening, you know, and you want to see what uh, the quote-unquote enemy is saying before and after the game this Thursday, Patriots-Rams, uh, head over to Pat's Pulpit. Uh, Bern, any, uh, any parting thoughts before we sign off? Stay safe. That's like anything. That's that's uh, everything else that I would say would not matter, uh-huh. no matter what I say. So stay safe, stay healthy. Good advice. Stay safe, stay healthy. Hey, uh, hopefully the players take that advice as well. Stay safe and, and definitely stay healthy. And let's see what happens between the Patriots and Rams. Uh, both teams uh, need this win for their postseason aspirations and understandings. Uh, that's it for this episode of Pod TST. Come back next week and we will preview the next team.